Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Good morning, Well Woman community. Happy New Year. As our country tries to pull through from the last few days, it's more important than ever to hold people accountable for inciting violence and enabling unlawful behavior. It's un-American, it's unethical, and it's unacceptable. Some leaders are distancing themselves now, but it's too little too late. Now is when we need more compassion, more collaboration in all places of power. The topic for today, women and power, is more relevant and important than ever. If you have been receiving uh, tons of messages and emails and been inundated with different programs and services trying to tell you that you should be setting resolutions, that you should be making your plans, um, basically those all of those things have been coming into my, you know, into my world, into my environment. And uh, unless I set a boundary with that stuff, it can make me very anxious because I don't, uh, it doesn't help. It's not supportive for my process of, you know, releasing 2020 and then really powering up for 2021 in a way that serves me, in a way that supports me. Um, in a way that's meaningful for for what I want to create for my life. Um, and so New Year's resolutions, as you've heard me talk about before, I'm sure if you're a regular to this show and if you're new, welcome. I hate New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, now, if you made resolutions, this is not a judgment, you know, on you or or anything like go ahead and and have at it and have fun with with your new year's resolutions i'm just simply offering you another way to look at it and another way to feel supported in creating the life that you want to create so the word resolution actually comes from the latin word resolvere which is to loosen or release so that's what we did last week on the podcast you can check it out at uh, two, three, four show. And um, we we just said, you know, to hell with New Year's resolutions, we're going to do it in a different way. So we reflected on 2020, we released those things that we didn't want to carry with us. And we reframed our story to reconnect with our power. And it's when you connect with your power that you can leverage that to really create what you want to create for yourself. So you're not coming at it from a deficit point of view, like things that you want that are outside of you. Rather, you're coming at it from a place of power and alignment with your best self so that you can powerfully create those things for yourself that you that you want and that you desire. So there's a whole process that I took people through uh, to do this. There's a free workbook you can get that walks you through it at wellwomanlife.com 
slash 234 show. You can get the workbook there. And, you know, with resolutions, again, failure and deficit are emphasized instead of releasing and dreaming and moving forward. So I want you to ask, what can I create for my life instead of how can I stop doing certain things, right? Resolutions are so much about stopping certain things. And actually what we're doing here on the Well Woman Show is we're creating the kind of life that we want to have. So we're going to talk about power all month long here. And today on the show, we start with talking to Elizabeth Lesser, the author and uh well, she's the author of several best-selling books, including Cassandra Speaks, When Women Are the Storytellers, The Human Story Changes. She also wrote Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow, which was excellent as well. And she's the co-founder of the Omega Institute, recognized internationally for its workshops and conferences in wellness, spirituality, and social change. She's given two popular TED Talks, and one is of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, uh, a collection of 100 leaders who are using their voices and talent to elevate humanity. So on the show, Elizabeth and I talk about why the word power makes us so uncomfortable, how culture is built on storytelling, how our emotions are a form of intelligence, and the catch 22 of women's power. You know, I love all these topics so much. It's so exciting to talk to her about all of this. Um, and you can find all the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash 235 show. That's for this week's show. If you want the workbook from last week, that's 234 show. So just to distinguish that there, you can also continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash community. And if you want to dig deeper into this, uh, there is the Well Woman Academy that sponsors this show. You can come and join us there at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. We are a group of professional women who are working through a process to, um, to really level up and use our power to create what we want in our lives. So check it out there. And I hope you enjoy the show and I will see you again next week for more on power. We're going to do power all, all January because I really want this to sink in, in a way that we can take it forward into the whole rest of the year. I'm speaking with Elizabeth Lesser. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so as we heard in the introduction, you uh, have decades really of experience and expertise and leadership in spiritual growth and personal development. Elizabeth, who are you in the world today? Well, today in this moment, I'm like all of us. I'm a lady living in her house and hardly going anywhere. <laughs> and my one of my sons and daughter-in-law live next door to us, me and my husband. And uh, so I'm also a very active grandma, homeschooling person. You know, 
and cook. <laughs> so like who I am is very much home-based right now, which is very good for me because I'm a super homebody. But also I have a new book out and I'm doing this remote book tour, which turns out, oddly enough, I bet a lot of people can relate to this, working online and from home turns out to be way more busy than getting in your car, driving an airport and going to a book tour to a few cities and then coming home. Cassandra speaks, when women are the storytellers, the human story changes. And so what is it that you most wanted to share with this book? Like what what's going on here? Well, I'm like you in that I'm someone who has tried to marry in my life feminism. I've been a feminist really my whole life and spiritual seeking, spiritual growth. And I started a conference series at Omega about 20 years ago called Women and Power. I often will create conferences by thinking, what's what's disrupting the culture right now? What's making people uncomfortable? Because I've noticed, you probably have too, you're a trend seek looker at yourself. When something is really making a lot of people uncomfortable, it's usually a sign that something big is changing. Mm -hmm. So putting the words women and power together 20 years ago made me uncomfortable. I was like uncomfortable with thinking of myself as powerful. And I wanted to know why do women um, not want to think of themselves as powerful people? Why does the word make us uncomfortable? Less so now, but back then. And so I invited to that first conference some women who were uh, really big in the culture at the moment, Anita Hill, the, the hearings for Clarence Tom and Thomas becoming a Supreme Court judge that had ended just a few years previously, Eve Ensler, who wrote the Vagina Monologues, Iyana Lavanzant, who was this up-and-coming African-American lawyer-turned-preacher, a couple of others. I thought, we'll do this once. We'll ask, why do women not want to call themselves powerful? And then that'll be the end of it. But it was just hugely attended. It was so electric. We did it again. By the third year, we held it in New York City. 2,000 women came from around the world. This conference where we've had speakers and artists and authors and elected officials and Nobel Peace Prize winners. I would give the keynote. And actually, my daughter-in-law said to me, why don't you take those keynotes and just quickly turn them into a book? And anybody who writes a book knows no such thing as quickly doing anything. <laughs> but I tricked myself into thinking, yeah, I'll do that. Well, it took me about four years. And um, I wanted to take what I'd been learning about women and power and story and culture and feminism and spirituality and and put it into a book. And that's what Cassandra speaks. That's how it started. I love it. And so power is such a great topic. And I talk a lot about power in this, on this show and in this community, because it is something that women have and men have been uncomfortable with, with either having or giving up. Right. And I think we're seeing that also anti-racism movement too. And when you talk about something that is making people uncomfortable, that's a great one. I mean, do you tackle that in the Omega Institute? Oh, we do a lot of work on inclusion and racial justice and the caste 
system. And uh, we've been doing it for years because it's so uncomfortable, you know, dealing with it on our staff, dealing with it in our programs and our faculty. It's been something we're really devoted to and been learning. It's not easy. It's we've made a lot of mistakes, but we're we're like very want to be part of changing that story. And it goes to something that my book is about, which is that culture is built on storytelling. And, you know, history isn't really about what happened. It's about who tells the story. So America's story that we have not wanted to look at is a story of white supremacy. And that's not that's not even a value judgment. That's just a fact. Like we could not, we couldn't have enslaved people if we hadn't thought they were less than people. So that is a story that the Black Lives Matter leaders and participants are saying, listen to this story, know this story. We can't change the way it ends until we accept that it is a foundational story. And in Cassandra Speaks, I go back into the foundational stories about women and men, and really because they live in us, they live in our bodies, they live in our DNA. Stories stories last longer than countries, and it's important to know them and to uh, experience how they've affected us and to say, I'm going to write some brave new endings to these stories. Yes, and... What is it that you talk about in terms of women know something that the world needs now? Is it those stories? I think we know what's missing in those stories, in our bones. We know it. We may not have verbalized it to ourselves or to others because the the stories I'm talking about are stories that have silenced us. That's why I named the book Cassandra Speaks. Cassandra was a princess in the city of Troy, uh, which was Greece's adversary. And, and now remember, these are made up stories, just like the Bible stories are made up stories. Who made them up? Men. It's really important to remember that, that these are stories written by men. It doesn't mean they're wrong. That means they're missing 50% of the perspective and experience, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Cassandra all the men wanted Cassandra because she was just like the it girl. She was the princess. And uh, even the gods wanted her. And Apollo, the son of Zeus, he wooed her by saying, I will make you uh, know the future. You'll be clairvoyant. And she she wanted that. She wanted that gift. She didn't understand it was attached to him wanting to have sex with her right then and there. So she accepted the gift. And then when she refused his advances, he cursed her. He said, you know what? I'm not taking away the gift. You're going to still know the future, but no one will believe you. And as I was working on the Cassandra story, you know, I've worked on, I worked on a lot of stories in the book, Adam and Eve and Pandora. And when I was working on the Cassandra story, um, the Me Too movement was just really coming into its own in the country. I mean, that sounds kind of quaint now, right? <laughs> it was just like two years ago and so much has happened. But I was watching the televised trial of the gymnast girls who had been um, abused by their doctor, Larry Nasser, And 
uh, hundreds of girls had been abused. Hundreds of girls had told their stories to their parents, their university, the Olympic Committee, um, everyone. They had said, this doctor is not prescribing medicine. He's sexually molesting me. No one had believed them. And then they were allowed by this fantastic judge, Judge Aquilina, to tell their stories in front of the world, to televise it and to make Dr. Nasser sit there and listen to them. And I thought, these are our Cassandras. They know the truth. No one believed them. They were so wounded and silenced, but now they're speaking. And this is what I feel is our time as women, not just about molestation or sexual harassment, about everything, that there's a different way to do power, that we're not hysterical overreactors, that our emotions are a form of intelligence, a form of connection, a form of being human that needs to be respected and elevated. In fact, the most important aspect of my Womanness is what has been called, you know, untrustworthy, hysterical, overdoing it. Uh uh, no more. My emotional wisdom is what the world needs now. Yes, absolutely. And do you think that not only does the world need that, but but do you think men also need to learn to to not just accept and tolerate it, but to also be that? Uh Absolutely. In fact, without that, it's not going to work. You know, if it if it's an adversarial, you had your turn, now it's ours. Um, those kind of things just don't work very well. It, it you know, there's this great quote from Nietzsche, who says, "Be careful when fighting monsters that you don't turn into one." And and if and and if that's all we try to do, which is like get out of the way, dudes, our turn. We just turn into dudes. So um, men can learn it. Many men are learning it. I'm looking at my children's generation. I'm, uh, I have three sons. They're all fathers now. The way they are parenting will change the world because yeah. they are having to be uh, intimate, emotionally available, and caretakers. And the world has been explored and extracted enough by the male principle, the female principle of caretaking is what the world needs now, not just from women, because it's not fair that women do all the emotional heavy lifting. It's impossible. So we all can do it now. Women have been proving over the past 150 years that we can do what men do. We can pull that off at work, in the military, in the government, uh, making the money. Now it's time for men to want to change as much as we wanted to change. And, you know, you look at many women leaders now, what we've had to do to get our foot in the door has made us leave behind a lot of our best qualities. It's very understandable. How do you get into a paradigm that you didn't create? without becoming like the paradigm. It's a catch-22. And we've sort of all, women and men, we've all like knocked the powerful... I'm very uncomfortable using words like feminine, masculine. It's such a... There's so much going on with gender now that's being upended. But for lack of a better word, the part of women 
that's either because of nurture or nature. It doesn't really matter to me why anymore. Are women more comfortable being caretakers because we've had to be? Or is it hormonal? You know, there is an, a really interesting thing, if I have time, to just talk about a science story that I really love, because it's not just myth and Bible and things like that. Science has a lot of stories that have bamboozled us, too. You know how we say, under stress, human beings either fight or flight? Like, that is that is the response. It's called the fight-or-flight response. Yeah. And this woman... Um, research scientist at UCLA. Oh, what was her name? Anyway, uh, Shelley Taylor in the early 2000s, she looked up all that research and what she discovered was it was all done on men. Because in the 1930s and 40s, when these studies were being done, women weren't ever brought into the lab. So these studies that um, uh, measured the the chemicals in the blood, the hormones that happen when these subjects would be um, put under stressful situations. They were all men. And the chemical hormones that were released were either about aggressive fighting or retreating. Um, and that retreating wasn't only just running away. It's also like disconnecting. Right. And she decided to do similar studies on women. And she also looked at um, uh, females from many species. And she found that under stress, females form tight, stable alliances. They like, they seek out friends when they're under stress. And they also take care of the most vulnerable. So that's the tend and befriend response. That's the phrase she came up with. Under stress, many females do not fight or flight. They tend and befriend. And and that that's a science story we just all bought into. Yeah, fight or flight. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm under stress. Well, actually, that's not what I do. My first instinct under stress isn't to go attack someone else. It's actually to kind of try to um take care of the people around me and to also try to create some sort of sense of of belonging so we don't have to fight now of course not all women are like this and not all men are like that but just opening up that story to the tend and befriend mm-hmm. possibility in leadership in your family everywhere that's that's what I call writing a brave new ending to a story that we were sold. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, that you brought that up because, uh, yeah, women were excluded from clinical trials too for, for years and uh, still are to a certain extent, but they, there's a requirement now that women have to be included in, <laughs> in a lot of clinical trials. But the point being that um, a lot of the solutions and theories and you know, scientific um, conclusions that have been made have been made based on uh, men only. And, um, and it's just so interesting. Women were excluded for a variety of reasons, but the main one was because they couldn't control for their cycle. Yeah. And, and, you know, they just, it was too hard. It was too challenging. (laughs) 
and, and you know, it's like, yeah, we're dealing with that every month. So, um, so still to this day, we have these, these sex and gender differences. Yeah. yeah and, and our cycle is so wonderful. You know, like instead of seeing it as like, oh, those women, those poor out of control women who like have these hormones flushing through them, making them crazy. Like, no, no. Making them open and empathetic and alive and able to bring new life into the world. I, I, I'm all about like really putting on its head, all these ideas about women and hysteria. I mean, I, I have a whole portion of the book going back into some of the medical mental health research over the years, all the way back to the Egyptians, where women were just always called crazy because because we felt so much and also because women didn't want to have sex. That was seen as a mental illness. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm speaking with Elizabeth Lesser, author of Cassandra Speaks on The Well Woman Show. We'll be right back. Join me on December 30th for my free year-end event inside the Well Woman Academy. It's at 12 o'clock Mountain, 2 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. UK time. And if you're a woman who needs to release 2020... Um, that would be most of us, and really power up for 2021, then this is for you. At this event, we'll celebrate and release what we don't need anymore from 2020, and we'll reconnect to our superpowers, learn to turn our weaknesses into our strengths, and set our intentions for 2021. This is an assets-based process, recognizing our power and revealing possibilities for ourselves that we can't see through the fog right now. At the Well Woman Academy, we're breaking through barriers and creating the lives we truly desire with less anxiety and burnout. Head over to wellwomanlife.com slash free event to register. We're back on the Well Woman Show. And we're back with Elizabeth Lesser uh, for the quick segment on superpowers for success. And I'm going to ask you just a lightning round here, Elizabeth. What does success in life mean to you? Success in life feels like to me getting to do what my soul longs to do and at the same time making sure that it's um, not standing in the light of anyone else. Kind of the do no harm idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah. we didn't get to talk about, but we can talk about that now. Just very briefly, the do no harm, take no shit. I love, love that. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the, um, it's in the book and there's a whole lot of other things in the toolbox for inner strength in the book. But just can you tell us briefly, um, how do you how do you do no harm and, and even not just do no harm, but actually do good and have limits, right? Like not take... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the meditation you're talking about, it has a name that you would not usually associate with meditation, which is do no harm and take no shit. It comes from uh, a statue that you see often of the Buddha or or the, the Kuan Yin statue, which is with one hand up in a stop motion and one hand up like a cup. And it's this sense of I can be open to the pain of others. That's the do no harm. But I can also take no shit. I can also be fearless in making my way through this world. And you know what it's like in your own life. If you're too much in the 
take no shit. If you're if the aggressive part of yourself is just overworked, you're not going to be happy and you're ultimately not going to be successful. But if you're too sensitive and always thinking about everyone else all the time, it's overwhelming. Life just rolls over you and you're just way, way too sensitive. It is possible to be both. And that's one of the uh, chapters in the book. I I write about this sense of, of being both strong and soft and finding that sweet spot where they're married together. Yeah, I absolutely love that because as women, we often are um, the nurturers and the caregivers and, and we get walked all over, you know, many, many times. So having this meditation is great. And we'll, of course, link to it in the show notes. Uh, But just to finish out our segment here on superpowers for success, when did you know you were really good at what you do? It's been a long journey. I still have the imposter syndrome, which is something else I write about in the toolbox. Ah, so that has been a real, real slog for me, knowing that I'm good at what I do, owning it, not feeling embarrassed to own it, not feeling like I'm bragging. Um, so I, I would say, I'm not kidding you, it took me until my 50s to really be able to stand and say, yeah, I'm a good writer. Yeah, I'm a good writer. Duh, you know, you've had four books published. What's it going to take, girl? And I do know how to lead. I do know what I'm talking about. That has been a big journey for me and I'm still working on it. I hope before I die, I get there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? What a good question. Oh my God. I'd have to think about that one. Maybe it's your writing. Maybe your writing was always there. I I know. You know what? I always knew that was there. I knew that when, from when I was like seven and won some sort of award in second grade or something. I think it's, I think it's the um, leadership idea that like, that I am a leader and that I am comfortable knowing I'm a few steps ahead on this human life path and that it's fine for people to feel like they can follow me. That doesn't, mean that I don't look back and listen and pull up with me, but that, yeah, it took me a long time to realize that superpower. Okay. And what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 or 30 year old self? I would say, love your body. Love, love, love this chariot you were given to ride through life. Stop thinking there's something wrong or bad about it. Stop trying to make it different. Your face, your weight, your hair, your skin, like love your body. And do you identify as a feminist? Yeah. yeah. Pretty sure I, I, know the I use the F word frequently. <laughs> what does that mean for you? It means that um, I adore my womanhood And I know that it's something valid and something the world needs, the voices of women. That doesn't mean it's anything against anybody else. It's just a way of living in this world whose time has come. Okay. And last question for you. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? I'm just finishing uh, Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, which if you want to read only one book about 
the history of blackness in this country and what it's like now. That book, Cast, is just so profound. I'm also working on a novel, um, Elena, Elena Ferrante's newest novel, the Italian author. I love her. Her newest book is called Something Like the Lying Life of Adults, something like that. But I love it. I love her. Okay. And um, I said that was the last question, but I just want to ask you as we end here, what's next for you, Elizabeth? You know, I don't know. And I've never been someone who's known, like people would always say, what's your five-year plan for myself or for my organization or anything? I don't know. I like, uh, I'm wide open. I don't know. I don't really want to know. I'm just going to catch the wave when it comes in. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your questions. They're great. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.